All right, let's, uh, let's bow our heads and we pray, prepare our hearts for the ministry of the Word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for uh, just being, being here, being part of the community, being, Lord, being, being gathered together in your name. And Lord, as we uh, prepare our hearts to, uh, to, to read your word, to discuss your word, Lord, we humble ourselves and we submit to you. We acknowledge your authority, but also not just your authority, but the authority of your word. So vast is the truth that is contained in your word that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to invade every fiber of our being, our hearts, our emotion, our minds, everything, Lord Jesus, so that we will be able to grasp the truth, Lord, the truth that will change us and transform us, and that we become more and more like Jesus. We need that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go to uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I'm going to uh, read from verse 1. I'm reading from ESV. Generally, I, I would read from uh, NIV, but this, um, I'm reading from ESV. All these acronyms. NIV stands for Non-Inspired Version. That's ESV stands for the Elect Standard Version. Or extremely safe version. Um, all right, we're going to read. Start from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came to bear witness of that light so that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. There was a true light. It was coming into the world and gives light to every man. He was in the world, and the world was made by him or through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave the right or the authority to become children of God. Those who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of this when he said, this is, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me is greater than me because he was before me. 
And of his fullness we have all received. Grace upon grace. Because the law came through Moses, but grace and truth comes from Jesus Christ. And then this is the punchline. No one has seen God at any time in verse 18. But the only God, there are many translations, some the only begotten son, but actually the, the, the true translation is the only God who is in the bosom of the Father or in the side of God, in the side of the Father, in the closest relationship with God, he has made him known or he has declared him. As a matter of fact, if you're a Bible college student in the, in the Greek word, if I can translate it, he has exegeted him. He has done exegesis of God himself. Very powerful statement. I've told uh, this story uh, to, to some of you guys. I'm going to say it to you all. Towards the end of last year, last two months of last year, I, uh, all of a sudden I had this connection. We met connection. All my cousins that I n- never knew existed. <laughs> uh, some, live, some live in Aceh, some live in Sumatra, some live in Java, some live in, uh, in Ambon. We all make connections through WhatsApp. I don't know how it happened. It just happened. And um, as we were talking to each other and, you know, texting one another, and, and then to, and I was surprised that many of them were Muslims. Muslims. I thought, wow, this is, and they're Manusama. I mean, Manusama, this one is Manusama, and all these different Manusama, some of them are Muslim, including my younger brother. And I, I, in one of them, started writing, understanding that we are all from different religion, and there's, and one of them would write, "Hey, we would love to connect. We would love to to uh, to update with what's going on. But can we sort of stay away from uh, talking about the religion? <laughs> I can I can sense that the defensivism from them is like you know like that guardedness. Can we just not talk about the religion if we want to reconnect? And I thought." Fine, I'm not going to talk about religion, but I can talk about Jesus. <laughs> when I talk about Jesus, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a person. <laughs> so it was just before Christmas. So I texted, I quoted the, the statement of the, the then president. It was 1999 when the, the president, his name, people, know, people knew him as Gusdur. And he made a statement on Christmas, Christmas Eve, 1999. He said, Jesus does not belong just to the Christians. He belongs to all people. I thought that was interesting. A statement from a Muslim. So I quoted with quotation mark and everything. Hey, Merry Christmas to all of you. And I said, Jesus <laughs> does not belong to just Christians, but to all people, Muslim, everybody, you know. I didn't talk about religion. I talk about Jesus, <laughs> right? Because Christianity is not a religion; it's a relationship. And you can't stop me talking about Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus any way I can, at any situation, any time, in any whatever day and night. I'll talk about Jesus. 
because he, he's, he's all that matters to me. You know, we were in, on holiday in Bali. We talk about Jesus to people because he's all that matters. I mean, you heard some of that story. As a matter of fact, I didn't tell the whole story. We talked about Jesus all last week. We, uh, we not only talk about Jesus, but we pray for people in the name of Jesus. You know, many people, as a matter of fact, talk about Jesus. The Muslims talk about Jesus. They call him a prophet. Even secular people talk about Jesus. But the thing is, what kind of Jesus are we talking about here? This is what's important. The Muslims talk about Jesus, they call him a prophet. Well, Jesus is not just a prophet, even though he prophesied. And some people, the secular people, say, yeah, Jesus is a good man, and he's a teacher. He's not just a teacher, even though he taught. And he's a good person. He's not just a good teacher and a prophet. As a matter of fact, in the time of Jesus, the Jews talk about Jesus because of the signs and wonders that he performed. Everybody talked about Jesus. To the point that Jesus asked the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, he, he said, what do people think I am, the son of man is? And they said, oh, some said this, some said he, you're John the Baptist, the prophets, or in People have all kinds of opinions about Jesus. And then Jesus said to the disciples, so what do you think I am? <laughs> I was like, uh, on the spot, sort of awkward. <laughs> and of course, the famous scripture, John chapter 16, verse 16, where Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you don't just get that from anyone. My father has to reveal that to you. Isn't that amazing? What is interesting is that when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, there was a pre-resurrection. And the post-resurrection, after the, the, the resurrection, he had the complete revelation of it. Because in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, in his sermon, the first sermon after, on the day of Pentecost, he declared, not only Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, but he said, he is the Christ and Lord. It was like he had the complete revelation, post, post-resurrection. Now the question is, you and I, we are the post-resurrection disciples. What is our understanding of Jesus? What is our view of Jesus? By the way, my message, the title is, just for your sake, uh, those people who are going to put it on the YouTube or whatever. The title is, Who is this Jesus? <laughs> so the question is, who is this Jesus? I like Carvin mentioned. You know, people like to talk about Jesus, but the thing is, we have to look at Jesus according to what he actually represents, who he really is. So as disciples of Jesus, 
Whatever your view of Jesus, it has to be shaped by the Word of God. How the Word of God describes Jesus. Otherwise, he could be anything. Like I said, the Muslims believe in him because yeah, he's a prophet. But Muhammad, is because he's the last prophet, he's the greater, greater prophet. No, that's not true. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good man. Who is this Jesus? So that's why we go back to our passage. This Jesus. Now, to understand just the context of John, John writes the, the, the gospel of John, which is known as the fourth gospel, is a very unique gospel because I think my son Ben uh, expressed it probably succinctly. He said, the other three Gospels, it was like they were updating their Facebook sort of thing. Jesus did this, Jesus did that. But John wrote a memo. The Gospel of John is the sum of John's understanding of who Jesus really is post-resurrection. He's a man, the closest man to Jesus. The Bible says that he rests on Jesus' chest, very close to Jesus. But after the resurrection, it was like, and as a matter of fact, the Gospel of John was written in, in about A.D. 95. So at the end of John's life, whereas the other Gospels were written while, you know, things were happening, so they were updating the Facebook sort of, you know, kind of thing. Whereas John, at the end of his life, he is the closest man ever in, in a, walking, to Jesus, walking with Jesus, and then all of a sudden the penny drops. This is what Jesus is. This is the truth about Jesus. And he wrote pretty much the gospel of John is the writer, John himself, he, the sum of his understanding of who Jesus really is. Oh, this is what Jesus is. So the, the, the first chapter from verse 1 to verse 18 is called in Bible callers, they call it the prologue of John. So the prologue of John, primus, while the gospel of John is the sum of John's understanding of who Jesus is, whereas the prologue of John is the sum of the gospel of John. If you don't know anything about the gospel of John, all you know is the prologue of John, you know Jesus. That's why he began in the beginning. So he started to describe in this prologue, describe about the person called the Word of God. And he began with the prehistoric era. In the beginning, whenever that beginning was, from eternity past, somewhere, if there was a beginning for God, who knows, there was God and the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Man, you couldn't get any clearer than that. He was in the beginning with God. So like he emphasized the pre-existence and coexistence of the Word. This person called the Word with God. And then he moved to creation in verse 3. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made. That has been made. Nothing exists or nothing become. The, the, actually, the true Greek word is, without him, nothing becomes. 
that has become. So what, what he's trying to say, what you see, the trees and everything in the sky, everything in the universe, without Jesus, it didn't exist. Or without the word, because the focus was the word. The word. So he described this person called the word eternally existed in the past when the, when the beginning was, there was, there was a beginning, existed then, and he's the creator. But also in verse 4, he, he, he gave this uh, attribute as he's the author of life. In him was life. And this life is also light. And the life was the light of men. Verse 5 to 13, he described the nature of this light. It cannot be overcome by darkness. There are two meanings there. But the other meaning about, because it says, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. But actually, a true translation, actually, there are two meanings. One is overcome. The other one is, and the darkness did not, could not comprehend it. The darkness could not comprehend it. It will be clear. What does that really mean? What he's saying is that this light is beyond comprehension. Whoever this light is. Because, because of that, because it is beyond comprehension, he, and then in verse 6 he said, because of that, he sent a witness whose name is John. And the purpose of this witness in verse 7 and 8 is to bear witness so that all through this witness might believe, not might comprehend. You notice that? Do you know why? I want to say this. Say, if God, the capacity of God's understanding and mind is said from there to there, right? From that wall to that wall. You and I, collectively, and the whole world, our comprehension will be from here to there. Can you agree with that? Right? Our understanding will be, compared to God's, like totally minute, from here to there. Now here's the question. How can, so we talk about God as the infinite, or the finite, sorry, or infinite, sorry. He's the infinite. Totally unlimited, you know, limitless, infinite. And you and I, we are finite. All right? We're here. We live in the darkness. Now here's the question. How can the, the finite comprehend the infinite? Everybody say, makes sense. Yeah, right. Makes sense that God doesn't make sense to us. Uh, that's why the light cannot be comprehended by you and I. And therefore, the witness that God sent, his name is John, is so that you and I might believe, not comprehend. Are you getting this? It is possible to know him, but it is impossible to comprehend him. It is possible to know him 
truly, but not fully. If that makes sense to you? Yeah. So in verse 9, he explains, this light, this light then came to the world to illuminate every man, you see. Because only he has the power to explain himself to mankind. Does that make sense? That's why people can talk about God, all those things. No, no, you need God to explain himself to you. And in verse 11, he said, This God, the creator, author of life, who came into the world to illuminate mankind, guess what? He was rejected by his very own creation. Wow. To be more specific, by his own people, the community he was born into. The Jews. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But he's the good news. Verse 12, but as many as received him, not comprehend him, as many as received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right or the authority to become children of God. And in verse 13, he describes the nature of these people who believe in him. The nature of these believers that they are born of the Spirit because he says they're born not of blood nor of the flesh nor of the will of man but of the will of God. So he was talking about he's trying to introduce this a different kind of race spiritual people. Because you cannot believe in Jesus because you intelligently choose to believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus because out of your heart you surrender to him and you choose to trust him, not to understand him. That is the essence of our faith. And then in verse 18, why I think it's the punchline, because that is the punchline. No one has seen God at any time. But the only God who is at the Father's side, or another translation said, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So people, you know, I like what, what Ben while the, 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 uh, the, the metaphor was great, like Ben said, the whole understanding of Jesus, it, it was like someone like Jane Austen, Jane Austen, who, who, an author, as she writes a book and she writes herself into the story, into the narratives. And in that narrative, she meets with people. I thought that's a great metaphor, but even with that metaphor, as I read the Word of God, nothing actually describes Jesus better than the Word of God itself. 
No one has seen God at any time. But the only God. In other words, he came. It's like he himself came and explained himself to us. That's a good question. Okay, if God is infinite and we are finite, okay, which means for the finite to know the infinite, the infinite needs to limit himself. This is, this is the understanding. For the finite to be able to, 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 to know the infinite, the infinite needs to limit himself within the finite's perspective or perception. Does that make sense? We call it revelation, you see. So Jesus is pretty much God, the infinite God, limits himself into, within our perception, our perspective, so that we can know him. That's why he had to become human. So here's the question, though. When we go to heaven, because we never understand God, we will never comprehend God. When we die and go to heaven, we see God, seeing that there's the vastness of God. Will God be something else than what we know now in the Bible? Is that a possibility? No, I don't think so. Because what we know, one thing I want to make a statement. So when people, when Christians and other religions talk about God, people have these things about God. You and I, as disciples of Jesus, we only know one God. And it is the one God that is revealed through Jesus Christ. There's no other God. Because he came. No one has seen God at any time. The only God came and explained himself. So which means there's no other understanding concerning God except the one that we have through Jesus Christ. He's the only revelation. So my question is, when we go to heaven, will God be other than what is being revealed here? No, because what Jesus revealed to us is the truth about God. The depth of that truth, we don't know. It is the same truth, we just don't know the depth. For, for example, is God loving? Will we find that God is other than loving? No, no, no. God is loving, but He's eternally loving. You know, the, the depth of His love, we're going to experience for eternity more, you know, again and again. Is God powerful? Yes, He is powerful. He will not be other than powerful or almighty. But the depth of it, the breadth of it, the, the whatever, how, how, how to describe that, we will never. There's no limit. So the truth about God is exactly what the Bible says. And here's the thing. That's why when all these theological discussions and theological arguments and from different religions, even within Christianity. When I consider all those things, and I mean, we discuss in Bible college, I would just go home and just get down on my knees and say, Jesus, I love you. You're all I need to know. Because you are God coming to explain yourself to us. There's no other God that I know 
Only you, Jesus. Now here's the, here's the question. At the moment of Jesus' crucifixion, the big question being thrown by Pontius Pilate, Pont, Pontius Pilate, Pontius, Pontius Pilate, What should I do with this Jesus? Isn't that powerful? What should I do with this Jesus, the King of the Jews? How do I treat him? Am I going to treat him like the Jews? The question is to you and I, what do we do with Jesus? If he is God himself, what do I do? Let's all stand up. Father God, come on, let's say it again. Father God, We believe in Jesus, not the historical Jesus, but the resurrected Jesus. We surrender ourselves to him. Jesus, we come to you. Surrender our hearts to you. We belong to you, Jesus. We want to live for you. Come on, we want to live for you, Jesus. Because you are worthy of our lives, our hearts, everything that we are. We surrender to you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Maybe some of you, that was the first time you ever uttered that kind of prayer. When we close the meeting, you can come and talk to me. You don't need understanding. You just need to trust Him. Sometimes we get caught up with all the church regulation, religious regulation. No, no, just come to Jesus and trust Him. That's all. The Bible says you are justified. You, are, you, are, you have been made right before God because of your faith in Him, because you trust Him. So if you utter that prayer for the first time, you can come and talk to us. We have our leaders here. We're going to be here for a while. And uh, just come to us. We'll pray for you. And for now, let's just raise your hands. Raise our hands. Because I'm going to prophesy blessing over all of us. Yeah. Raise your hands and receive blessing from the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. With every hand lifted up before you, Lord, I prophesy in the name of Jesus an outpouring of your blessing over your people, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord, as we leave this place, we are people marked by the favor of God. But your blessing will not just stop with us, Lord. That blessing will flow out of our lives as we 
as we come in touch with people around us beginning with our family members Lord the power of Jesus the blessing of Jesus the name of Jesus will come out of our, our, our mouths Lord one way or another and touch many people Lord our friends at school at uni our boss people at work anywhere our neighbors Lord will be touched by the blessing of God that flow out of our lives because we are people purchased by the, by the blood of the Lamb. In the name of Jesus, I prophesy this. Amen. God bless you.